It's a time-honored tradition here at the Locked On Podcast Network, a crossover show between the hosts of the two teams represented in the playoffs. And for the first time in NBA history, it's the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings not just having a winning record in the same season, but playing each other in the NBA playoffs for the first time in the two franchises' history. It should be exciting. It should be a thrilling uh, series, maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm predicting the Warriors are going to win this. But nonetheless, following tradition, it's Matt George of Locked On Kings and yours truly, Cyrus Sotsis, host of Locked On Warriors, putting together a crossover extravaganza. Here we go. This is the crossover, and you're watching Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Kings and Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh, sorry. Uh, skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash NBA60 and use code NBA60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Matt George, he hosts Locked on Kings. You can follow him on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Matt George, S-A-C. Follow me, Cyrus Hotz, is on Twitter at DogSurfRocho. The way this is going to work is I will ask you questions, Matt, the first segment. You will turn around and ask me questions for the second segment, and then we'll we'll free flow from there. Uh, Matt, my first question to you. It's pleasure to finally be doing this with you. It's, we talked about it for a long time, um, and I'm glad that we finally are doing this. First time ever, the Warriors and Kings are both in the postseason simultaneously. First time both teams had a winning record in the same season, which is really crazy if you think about it. Why, in your opinion... What do the Kings need to do to win this series? Uh, like, what, 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 what is their strategy and game plan to beat the Warriors? I think it's, I mean, in in so many ways, the Sacramento Kings control their own destiny. Like the the Kings know that if they play to the level that they're capable of offensively, they set the record for uh, best offense and best offensive rating in NBA history. So if they play to that level, they know they can beat anybody and outscore anybody, even if their defense is in trouble. So it's a mixture of shooting the basketball and scoring at the level that they're capable of, which they've been able to do consistently this season, even on nights where they haven't shut the ball well. For example, they lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves inside the Golden 1 Center. Uh, They made only five threes in that game, shot like less than 30% or around 30% from three-point range in that game, still managed to score over 100 20 points so this team is capable of lighting you up in a hurry now we also mm-hmm. know that they're going to give up a lot of points so it's scoring at the rate that they're capable of scoring and then protecting home floor like you have home court advantage you need to win at home considering how good the golden state warriors are uh, inside the chase center now i think the kings uh proved this year that they're actually a good road team but what does that mean for the playoffs i give them maybe the chance to win one maximum two road games and you don't want to put yourself in that position if you're sacramento Control home floor. You would ideally, of course, love to go into game three uh, at the Chase Center up 2-0 so that you could survive two potentially beat downs or just two better versions of the Golden State Warriors inside that building. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, uh, you tweeted out, uh, and it was a tweet correlating with one of your new Locked On Kings episodes, that the Warriors are not just beatable in the playoffs, but that they're 
very beatable in the playoffs. Uh, Matt, just so you know, in case you're not familiar with the stat, the Warriors, since 2015, since the, the official dawn of the dynasty, the, Steve Kerr's first year, they've never lost a playoff series in the Western Conference. So what, in your opinion, makes this year's version of the Warriors not just beatable, but very beatable? It, it's, it's again, two things. Um, one, I think this is the most vulnerable the Golden State Warriors have been at this point since uh, 2015, like you mentioned. And I was aware of that stat. Uh, and, and first off, like... Um, I know I'm going to make enemies with the Golden State Warriors fan base. I already have. And you know what? To me, that's fun. It's exciting to be in this position. <laughs> okay. uh, it's, I think it's great for the league, first and foremost, for a NorCal rivalry to actually Agreed. begin or exist. Um, but like, this is the most vulnerable the Golden State Warriors have been going into the playoffs for a number of reasons. They have not played well this season. They're terrible on the road, like we've already talked about. How much does that matter when your road game is only 90 minutes away? We'll have to wait and see, depending upon how the crowds uh, are, are involved in that sense. But this Warriors team, they haven't played a lot together. Arguably one of the biggest reasons outside of, of course, Steph Curry, why the Warriors won the championship last year. Andrew Wiggins hasn't been them with them for, what, 45 games or something like that? Like he's, oh missed, God, yeah. he's missed a long period of time. Now, he could come in and he could look great and pick up right where they left off. And that's just the Golden State Warriors for you. And credit to Steve Kerr and that coaching staff for being able to get that out of him. Uh, but as of right now, the Golden State Warriors, they don't look unbeatable. They don't look untouchable. And the second thing is I think the Sacramento Kings can beat the Warriors at their own game. The hmm. Warriors aren't that much better defensively than the Kings. They're not. If you look at like points per game allowed, it's the difference. The margin is one point per game. So the Kings offense is dreadful. The Golden State Warriors, I'm sorry, Kings defense is dreadful. The Golden State Warriors defense is barely better. Both these teams are going to score a boatload of points against each other. And the Sacramento Kings are capable of beating the Warriors at that game and outshooting them and outscoring them if they're hitting shots. How much weight do you put on regular season? I, I, I For me, every team is different. Every, every scenario is different. And for the Golden State Warriors, you know, you point out that they've looked vulnerable this year. I can't disagree with that. They have... Uh, one of the worst road records in NBA history for defending world champion. Uh, all the measurables you just pointed out, their their defense uh, this year, it did improve from, from the beginning of the season to the end. They finished 21st in the NBA in, in points given up uh, per game, whereas the Kings finished 25th. Um, but what, what's your what's your definition? Because if you're a Kings fan, you have to be relying on the regular season. It's, sure. It's all you have going for you right now because there's no history since what 2006. What, what How much weight do you put on the regular season, man? Like, like do you do you feel personally that that translates to the postseason? Is there a dissociation? Your thoughts? No, I, I think it's a, a great point to bring up, and I think it's different for these two teams, right? The Golden State Warriors are in a position where they're good enough. They know if they make it to the playoffs, they have a chance. The Sacramento Kings, like you said, all they have to go off of is what they're able to do during the regular season. And it's not just what they did during the regular season. It's how they consistently did it. They didn't lose three straight games since November. They consistently were able to bounce back. They consistently won uh, in their, I don't know if the Golden State Warriors had a lot of back-to-back -back series uh, against the same team over the course of the year, like playing the same team twice in a row. The Kings had that a ton this season. And if I'm not mistaken, they won game two every single time. So wow. this team has shown an ability to adjust and adapt even if they lose game one. And if they win game one, they're still winning game two depending upon the opponent. So I've seen the Sacramento Kings consistently been, be able to do this for a full year, which gives me the confidence going into the postseason that that's not just going to disappear. Now, where the the one area where the Golden State Warriors have a massive, undeniable uh, advantage over the Sacramento Kings is experience. That's just the reality of the situation. And, and what I've said is, I think the Sacramento Kings could beat the Warriors four times, but if every single game it's tied with two minutes remaining, that's where the Golden State Warriors have won their championships. The reality is um, the, the circumstance. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and I don't. I honestly don't know what the Warriors' record is on the second half of back-to-backs. They've struggled in a lot of them, largely because Clay Thompson 
was held out of back-to-backs for the first mm-hmm. 10 or 11. The Warriors did lead the NBA in total back-to-backs with 15 this year. Um, and, and they and they treated them as an older veteran uh, team that has accomplished a lot would do. They they oftentimes just played younger players. They limited minutes for their veterans. Like I said, Clay Thompson in play in the first two-thirds of them or so. What is the Kings' strategy, though, to beat the Warriors? And more let me be more specific. Uh, obviously, your best players, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Sabonis, maybe Herter, Malik Monk. I'm thinking of like maybe more offensive players. But how, in your opinion, are the Kings going to stop the Warriors? And what I mean by that is, who's defending Stephen Curry? Who's defending Clay? Uh, who's defending, you know, when the Warriors have, for example, Poole, Clay, and Steph out there together, what is the Kings' strategy to slow that 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 trio or, or any, any other weapons out? Like, what, what is the strategy for the Kings defensively to stop the Warriors? I think if we're looking at this realistically, the reality is the Kings aren't trying to stop the Golden State Warriors for more than stretches of a game. Okay. So the Sacramento Kings actually had uh, or a top 10 defense in the fourth quarter, despite being one of the most horrible defenses in the league. So it's in that. theory, if they're in, uh, if they're in the game, if the game is close, if they're trailing or if they're ahead in the fourth quarter, maybe that's where they step up defensively. Now that's also where Steph Curry makes his money, right? That's also where the best uh, shine brightest. So, and De'Aaron Fox is the runaway clutch player of the year. So how's he going to look offensively? I think the same question can be asked for both teams. How is player X going to stop player Y and, and vice versa? Um, to me, the Sacramento Kings can't get beat by the role players, which is also what I think the Golden State Warriors should be concerned about because mm-hmm. Steph Curry's going to get his, right? Clay Thompson loves playing against the Sacramento Kings, always has. Like, Clay Thompson just t- uh, just destroys the Kings. Now, I think he's going to have one or two bad games. Jordan Poole, I'm sure, is going to have a moment or two during this series where he makes maybe a boneheaded decision that the Kings can try and take advantage of. They have to obviously take advantage of it. But the Kings, they're not going to stop Steph Curry from, from doing his thing. They're not. They're going to be chasing him. The one thing I hope the Sacramento Kings don't do is bite on every pump fake that he has on the perimeter mm. and foul him and send him to the line for a four-point play more, more often than not, which is something the Kings have had troubles with with every team so far this season is, is chasing a little bit too much and then selling out on a, uh, on, on a contest. And then Steph Curry is so good at drawing those fouls and still hitting those shots. So I don't think the Kings necessarily have a game plan to stop anybody. It's about preventing the... I mean, Draymond Green hopefully offensively doesn't have a good series against the Sacramento Kings or they're in trouble. Guys like Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Dante DiVincenzo, former King. Like if these guys are beating you, in addition to the top warrior guys, the Kings are in trouble. But at the same time, the Sacramento Kings, I think roster has more depth in terms of scoring. The the Kings have consistently won games this year with six or seven players finishing in double figures. So it's not just going to be De'Aaron Fox scoring 30 or 40 every single night. And Tomonta Savone is averaging 25 to 30 for the Kings to win. A lot of guys can score 20. Uh, They've had multiple games where four or three or four guys have each scored 20 points. So I think both teams have to be worried about supporting care, uh, the supporting cast having good nights in addition to how the stars play. That's fair. And and those players you mentioned that, uh, in your opinion, or I don't know if it's your opinion, but you, you highlighted his players that maybe are not uh, super strong offensively, like Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, he is a, a 39.7% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then Jonathan Kaminga, who has really risen this year, right. his, his efficiency numbers are outstanding. 52.5% from the field, 37% three-point shooter. Uh, but the point is, uh, the Warriors have a lot of weapons. Uh, your turn uh, when we come back. To ask the questions, to sit in the hosting chair uh, after we give some love to a mutual sponsor of ours, and that is Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Matt, did you actually get a chance to play with the rest of the Locked On hosts? 
I have. I'm in the middle of uh, of my second season right now, and I'm doing terrible. So it gives me <laughs> appreciation for all the general managers out there that do such a great job. Because I'm good at NBA 2K, but I'm Ultimate Basketball GM is kicking my butt so far. Oh, we're, well, we're I mean, granted, <laughs> you're competing against other uh, hosts of the Locked On Network, so you got a bunch of experts in there. I had to quit immediately after the first season because I was similarly getting my butt kicked. But it is fun. Mm-hmm. And and we highly recommend this. I didn't quit, but I just quit the league. I, I had to go with a more average uh, competition uh, so that I could actually win some games. But Ultimate GM is a great way to pass time. It's a super fun game to play on your mobile device. It allows you to deal with like challenging personalities in terms of players or coaches. You make the decisions to cut them, to fire them, to hire them. Uh, you could trade players. You could train players. You could draft players. Navigate your franchise through free agency. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. And look, Locked On Warriors and Locked On Kings listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code that you see right below us if you're watching or if you're listening on the podcast. Again, it's uh, just either download the app, go to the website, probasketballgm.com. Again, Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. Matt, take it away, sir. All right. So one of the areas that I'm very curious about with this series, I've said and I've been very clear that the Golden State Warriors should absolutely be the favorites in this series. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Despite the seeding situation, they are the favorites. But the Sacramento Kings shouldn't be uh, heavy, heavy underdogs. One of the main reasons for that is because of the guy that they have on their bench in Mike Brown, who... Mm had a very significant role with the Golden State Warriors. He knows that team in and out. He knows strategies of how to beat those teams and beat those players. And he's been very open and transparent over the course of the season of things that he has told his players in Sacramento, how he would game plan against them uh, 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 when he was on the Warriors or on another team. He used Trey Lyles, for example. He said, Trey, we know that you wanted to attack the basket all the time despite being a good three-point shooter. So we'd sag off you and wait for you to come right into us. Like that's something that he shared over the course of the season. So I know he has these things in mind when he's thinking about this Golden State Warriors roster. At the same time, too, you can know how to beat them. You still got to beat them. My opinion, or my question to you, Cyrus, is how, if any, much of an advantage do you think having Mike Brown is for Sacramento? A little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, his familiarity with the Warriors system uh, is a factor. And, um, but, you know, this, he's not the first ex-assistant coach the Warriors have faced. They faced Alvin Gentry. They faced uh, Luke Walton and... Um, it's one of those things where the Warriors, it's not like it's a huge secret what the Warriors do. Uh, you know, the the most the, the split action system that Kerr runs offensively is largely a derivative of the triangle offense of Phil Jackson. But then you add the motion uh, that comes from, from Greg Popovich's system. And he's kind of created a hybrid of that. We call it the split action. And, and again, it's not so much a secret in terms of what the Warriors are going to do. They do have set plays, but that is the, the, the routine of their offense. And so the question is, can you stop that? Um, it's just not an easy offensive system to stop because of the endless movement. We've seen uh, defensive players frustrated to no end, no end, trying to uh, defend Stephen Curry off the ball, right? Clay Thompson off the ball, Jordan Poole, players like that. They're just moving. It's always just movement. And the question is, can your defense keep up? And, and you know, because one of the most demoralizing things is you keep following Steph around for 20 seconds out of the 24-second shot clock. You think you've, you've won this battle, and the last second he makes one more move, gets the ball, and, and puts the – the shot up hits a three and, and it just crushes opposing teams psychologically. Um, so the Mike Brown factor, look, I, I, I said this repeatedly and, and I think most Warriors fans would agree that his departure was felt this year. Uh, Mike Brown is a very detail oriented 
uh, uh, head coach. Um, and when he left, the Warriors lost someone who was always one of the first people in the building, one of the last people out of the building, who had a fantastic relationship with his players. Um, he's a he's just a very friendly, uh, sociable individual who knows basketball very well. Um, you know, so it, it obviously helps. But you know, I, what I what my my counter to that is, in if I'm if I'm forced to choose between a teacher or a pupil, and I'm not saying Mike Brown necessarily is a pupil here. He's been a head coach in this game for decades, but. Um, you know, that was the scenario. I'm going to always take the teacher and Steve Kerr is the teacher in this instance. Um, you know, it, it could play a factor. It could, but I don't think it would be like the difference. I don't, I don't know if Mike Brown will be the difference. I mean, if it's coaches can only do so much, right? So it'll help, but I don't, I don't know if it'll, it'll carry the Kings. If that, makes, you, if that makes sense. You definitely see similarities between how the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors play especially on the offensive end because of Mike Brown's background uh with the Warriors and Mike has talked a ton about how much he has learned from uh, uh from Steve Kerr uh, in his time in Golden State to your point but one of the like the way you're talking about chasing Steph Curry for for 20 seconds and hitting like I completely agree completely understand that the Sacramento Kings too have a lot of movement in their offense a lot of dribble handoffs through DeMontis Sabonis um my question to you is where do you see Steph Curry fitting in on the defensive end of the floor? What can Steph Curry do? Who would you put Steph Curry on if we're going starting lineup versus starting lineup? Because every single Sacramento King in that starting lineup is capable of scoring. They move a lot, whether it's cutting back door, trying to get to the basket, moving around the perimeter, trying to get open looks. I don't think Steph Curry is going to want to try and take on the challenge of staying in front of De'Aaron Fox necessarily. Steph can't really hide in this defense, but I also... I also sometimes think it's undermining Steph a little bit to suggest that he has to be hidden, but Steph is going to be at times exposed or his number is going to be called to make some big defensive plays and step up uh, against a Sacramento Kings team that is capable of, of torching him just like he torches them on the other end of the floor. Who would you put Steph Curry on defensively if you were Steve Kerr, at least in that starting lineup? I, you know, it, it's a, uh... It's interesting. Like the, the stereotype of Steve of Stephen Curry is that he's a poor defensive player. And maybe early in his career, there was some truth to that, but he's really evolved defensively to the point where he's not a player that the Warriors hide anymore. Like he's really developed his strength. It's a huge reason why his game offensively has evolved from being primarily a three-point shooter who would attack the, the, the paint, but not at the frequency he does now. Whereas now, and we saw this especially in the postseason last season, uh, particularly in the NBA Finals against the Celtics, Steph is a player who can get inside, who can use his body to bump around uh, and, and make baskets. And if the refs decide to call it, uh, send it go to the free throw line as well. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is because defensively, while he's, his height is not you know, at a level where he can shot block you know, opposing players' shots who are like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, Steph is 6'3". Um, his strength allows him to at least manage other other teams. And he's no longer necessarily, and I don't think he ever was, but especially not now, he's not a liability defensively. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of who he's going to defend, my guess would be it's going to be either be uh, Kevin Herter, uh, who who is not particularly outstanding as a ball handler in terms of creating his own shot. He's not a bad player. He, Kevin Herter is awesome, actually. But um, I don't think you're going to have Stephen Curry defending Darren Fox just because Fox is so fast and he requires so much energy that you you want to put Stephen Curry on a player that is not going to expend a lot of energy defensively so that Steph can stay fresh on the offensive side of the ball. So my guess is Steph will be assigned to Kevin Herter, maybe his former teammate Harrison Barnes to a certain extent. I know Harrison Barnes has a solid post-up game, but um, Steph will likely play off Harrison. Harrison's going to be one of those players that the Warriors will dare to shoot threes. I know percentage-wise it's great, but uh, Warriors fans have seen enough of his three-point shooting to 
give him the green light, especially in, in fourth quarter situations. So those are the two players I could see Steph uh, defending, but I could also see the Warriors, and they've done this a lot this season, uh, go to a zone defense uh, for a quarter or so. Uh, they might go with a box and one if De'Aaron Fox is just lighting them up. Um, they, they've used those kinds of gimmicky defenses as well. But my guess is you'll see Steph guarding uh, Kevin Herter and then try to avoid switches because uh, I know both teams are going to try to do that all day. Uh, so it'll be Herter or maybe Harrison Barnes, uh, who, again, Steph knows. And Steph's stronger than people realize. So I think he might be able to handle them in the post a little bit. Yeah, I, for you and for Golden State Warriors fans to know, and I think it'll be made pretty clear, I think if Steph Curry guards Kevin Herter, he's going to be running a lot more than he anticipates. Mm, I think okay. Kevin Herter is one of the guys that moves around the most in this offense, especially with the DHOs uh, that he does with DeMontis Sabonis. The two of them have a two-man game that is extremely frustrating for anyone who is guarding Kevin to try and handle. So maybe Harrison Barnes is the right answer just because... Steph can sag off a little bit, although Harrison yeah. is more than capable if he's on uh, to take advantage of that. So we'll have to wait and see. I don't, I don't think Kevin Herter is a good option. It's better than De'Aaron Fox, of course, but I don't yeah. think it's a good option for Steph, but only time will tell with that. Yeah. Um, a, a question that you asked me, uh, which I think is a good question, how much weight do you put into the regular season? I'm kind of going to turn that back around uh, on you, but with something specific, and that's that's how bad this team, the Warriors, have been on the road. Yeah. Like, how much weight concern whatever the word is do you put into that given whether how close these two teams are or that it's playoffs versus regular season like the Warriors were woefully bad especially defensively on the road compared to at home I don't think that's just a regular season you can just pay, uh, crumple up into a wall and throw it over your shoulder it's a tough one because on one hand um they did win four of their last six road games they did win 10 of their last games total um, you know, so on one hand that the road woes is probably the single biggest reason why, unlike last year, where I confidently guarantee the Warriors are going to win the title back in August, almost two years ago, uh, this year, while I predict them to win the whole thing, um, I, I'm not going to guarantee it. I don't have the same confidence largely for that reason. Uh, what they did on the road was atrocious. Um, I, I will counter that by saying this, the Warriors, I still feel like it's very, under, they're very underrated and it's very under discussed just how dominant this run has been for them. I mean, they've, they've got four titles in eight years. They've reached six NBA finals in eight mm -hmm. years. Um, and, you know, the, the two years in between, one of them was obviously everyone was hurt and they just kind of took a year off just to kind of regroup and re-energize. The second year, they just had absolutely no depth whatsoever. You had Kent Bazemore uh, and Brad Wanamaker's taking up the, uh, an overwhelming majority of minutes for a team that also had like, Kelly Oubre Jr. being an important part of the team early on, James Wiseman. So that team was just awful. As Steph and, and Draymond and Wiggins had no help on that team, and Clay was out for the whole year. So, you know, six out of the eight years, they've been dominant. I mean, they've completely owned the Western Conference, literally. So this late in, the, in their whole timeline, I could see a veteran group like the Warriors just not caring that much, just having a hard time rising up uh, to games. Whereas when they're on the road, Every single team they're facing, whether it's the Orlandos or the Bostons, they're rising up. I mean, this is the defending champions coming into your arena, and they're giving it everything they had. And the Warriors just did not match that intensity and did not match that energy. So on one hand, it's concerning. 11-30 and 30 is an awful road record. On the other hand, I, I kind of want to see how they, they show up in the postseason just because this is their regular season. Given how, how deep into this dynasty they are, um, they, they focus on energy and how much they expend. They focus on 
on prioritizing certain games and not prioritizing other games. And for them, the regular season was just this huge preseason. And now the postseason is here. And if they if they struggle on the road the same way, it would legitimately surprise me. Um, and, and it's worth noting, too, by the way, like, you know, people will bring up the Warriors record. They finished sixth. But I mean, they finished four games behind the Kings. Right. So the Kings had 48 wins this year. Uh, the Kings didn't have a great home record either, correct? 23 and 18. Did, do I have that right? Yes. So, you know, it's not, I don't, yeah, I'm not, the road thing is not something I'm overly concerned about. The regular season, I don't see a huge discrepancy between the two teams. The Kings, to put it in perspective, those 48 wins, that was the same number of wins that we believe Golden State, State Warriors won in 2008, the second year of We Believe, the year after they upset the Mavericks in the first round. That second year, they won 48 games that year and missed the playoffs. That's how deep the West was that season. And so now the Sacramento Kings this season with 48 wins are the three seed. So on one hand, I commend the Kings fans and the organization because, dude, it's been such a drought. I, you know, I feel it. I the, the Warriors went through this for 30 years, and I'm old enough to remember all of that. So that's a huge reason why I'm always so giddy about my Warriors being a dynasty now. I never envisioned this in a million years. Um, you know, so on one hand, it's concerning. On the other hand, it's it's a new slate now, and we'll see what happens. Well, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, in addition to Ultimate Basketball GM, is also brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. If you're into baseball, of course, the NBA playoffs getting going. There's no better place to get in on MLB and NBA action than in FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Cyrus, what I what I take away from this deal that, that FanDuel is making is that they don't just want you to come and, and play, lose, and then leave they want you to stick around and, and keep playing and keep enjoying their website and they're giving you this opportunity essentially this gate out of jail free card to where if you are unlucky with that first bet here are all these bonus bets for you to make that money back and make money on top of that which i think is pretty cool mm -hmm. wholeheartedly agree i love fanduel i mean how stoked were you when you learned that fanduel was the official sports book of locked on man that that to me re re represented our network growing yep. up and reaching the big league. So and, and FanDuel is something I've enjoyed for a long time. You can go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win, don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet. When you join FanDuel today, go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right. One final segment, right? Let's do it. We're doing this. So uh here, here's here's a question I have for you. Uh how are the Kings going to defend the, like, what are the defensive assignments going to be for the Kings? Like you have Stephen Curry out there. You have Clay Thompson out there. Uh, Kevon Looney will start. Um, I think he's underrated offensively, but uh, how are the war? How are the, what is the Kings strategy for stopping uh, the splash brothers, Jordan pool? Uh, you know, what, what is, what is the strategy for stopping that? And Andrew Wiggins is going to be back And you're like, what is Mike Brown going to do there? What's, what's the key? I think in terms of starting lineups, it's going to match up pretty five on five, pretty straight up. Um, I think De'Aaron Fox, uh, he's made comments this season about he has been the guy that has been taking on defending the best guard on the other team while that other guard is not defending him. Who he's is this again? Uh, De'Aaron Fox. Okay, gotcha. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So Fox, I don't think Fox is going to back down from the challenge of trying to defend Steph Curry, especially in the fourth quarter. If you look back and remember back to when the Kings defeated the Warriors in Sacramento, uh, De'Aaron was chasing Steph a little bit in that fourth quarter. Steph got a good wide open look from the corner three. Fox came out of nowhere and blocked that shot, uh, which helped the Kings end up securing that win. So I don't, I, I know uh, De'Aaron is not going to back up. Uh, back down from that challenge. Uh, I imagine Kevin Herter and Clay Thompson are just going to match up straight up. Uh, the the question mark is going to be really specifically Harrison Barnes 
uh, and and Keegan Murray and who is matched up on who. Harrison is the better defender out of the two. Uh, I think Keegan is going to be significantly targeted by any team that the Sacramento Kings play because he's a rookie in a big spot uh, on a playoff team with expectations. And Mike Brown has been very open and honest. He said, we're going to ride with Keegan, but if Keegan isn't doing his job, he's going to come sit down on the bench next to me. And of course, if the Warriors can make it so that Keegan is not good defensively, to where it negates what he does offensively with being the best three-point shooting rookie of all time and how he spaces the floor with the Kings, uh, that's a big blow to Sacramento as well. DeMontis Sabonis, uh, he's not the fastest guy on the planet, but yeah. he's he's big, he's strong, he's capable of, of stepping out and defending on the perimeter, especially with pick and rolls, but pick and rolls kill the Kings all the time. Um, it's just the most simple of pick and rolls have already always been successful against the Kings, and that's not significant or specific to this team. That's been it's been this way over the last nearly 17 years here in Sacramento. Uh, so again, there are more than enough reasons to be concerned about the Kings defense, but also I don't think the Kings are worried that their defense is going to be so bad that it negates what they do on the offensive end of the floor. I've been seeing uh, on Twitter, you mention or going at it with Warriors fans, and I understand some of them can be annoying on Twitter. I get it. <laughs> we all um, are. We all know, are. It's fun. <laughs> but, you know, look, for, for people, that, even like the, the long time, hardcore fans like myself. I mean, look, I've been rooting for this team since the mid eighties. Um, I, you know, it, it can even a little bit get annoying for us. You know, the bandwagoners who did not exist until five, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but I've seen you engage with some people and, and you've told people that you don't have confidence in the warriors defending De uh, uh, Sabonis. You don't think Draymond green can govern, can guard him. No, I don't. I don't think Why? anybody on the Golden State Warriors is capable of, of, of guarding DeMontis Sabonis because he can beat you on all levels. He's improved as a three-point shooter, although he's not going to be reliant uh, upon that. He is so dynamic offensively to where if he looks to score, he can score on anybody. If he looks to pass, which is primarily what he uh, what he does, uh, he uses his size. The one, I mean, let me put it this way. The only way for the Golden State Warriors to stop DeMontis Sabonis, and this is not specific to the Warriors. This is pretty specific to most teams in the league. The only way to stop Sabonis is to get him in foul trouble. Mm. And that's very possible because DeMontis Sabonis has dealt with foul trouble all season long and kind of had to figure out how to adapt his game and make sure that he wasn't getting into those spots. So if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I'm attacking, attacking, attacking Sabonis, trying to get him into foul trouble as much as possible and take him out uh, of the game in that way. Because I, I understand the respect that, that fans have for Kevon Looney. I covered the Golden State Warriors championship run last year for ABC 10 because of the amount of Warrior fans that are in Sacramento. So I know what <laughs> Kevon Looney can do. So I understand, but... I'm telling you, DeMontis Sabonis is on a different level. But not Looney. DeMontis. Looney's not going to, you keep saying that Looney is not going to be the one who's primarily defending Sabonis. It's going to be Draymond Green. And I'm asking you, like, you really think Draymond Green cannot cover Sabonis? Like, yeah, one yes. of the greatest defenders ever? Yes. I I, I think DeMontis Sabonis would outmuscle Draymond Green around the paint. I think he's more than comfortable bringing Draymond Green out, which is where Draymond thrives in a lot of ways. I don't know if Draymond's going to have the success against bigs that he's normally switched onto on the perimeter as much as he typically has. I think DeMontis Sabonis is more than capable of a Draymond who's kind of poking and prodding. Now, I will say this, Draymond Green does have the capability of getting Sabonis frustrated. And Sabonis has gotten frustrated this year at times, especially with the amount of contact he has taken and not gotten calls for. I've seen a lot of Warriors fans saying they don't think Golden State Warriors uh, get the benefit of the uh, officials very much. And, and you can speak to that more than I can. But Sacramento certainly doesn't get the benefit of calls and, and officiating. Uh, and Kings fans are genuinely concerned about that, not just from a Warriors perspective, but just because of the Kings. So if 
Draymond Green can frustrate DeMontis Sabonis. That's an area where I could see he, uh, he exploits. But in terms of just physicality, ability to defend one of the most dynamic bigs, passing, scoring, sometimes shooting, uh, I don't think Draymond Green will do as good of a job as people are expecting enough to slow down or stop Sabonis, who is averaging, I think, somewhere 24 points and 16, nearly 17 rebounds a game against Golden State this year. Yeah, he'll get, I, I don't doubt that Sabonis will get his boards. Uh, I was looking at the three games they played against each other. We can't count the last one, obviously. Um, Sabonis, uh, in one game, 26 points, 22 rebounds. That's yep. the game that the Kings won. Mm -hmm. uh, and the two that the Warriors pulled off, Sabonis had 19 points, 14 rebounds. And then uh, also 19 points and four rebounds. Almost identical stat lines for uh, for two of those games. Um, yeah, and, and again, I, I I just Draymond is, has held his own again. He held his own against Jokic in the first round last year. Um, look, if Sabonis actually does go off, and he'll get his boards. Like Draymond's not gonna gonna block block him out every play. Players will get the rebounds against the Warriors. But if Sabonis lights up Draymond, it will be a series. I will I will give you that 100. percent um, If you're right about that, well, this will go long. What's your prediction, man? Well, I'll say, I'm sorry, I'll say okay. this too. Go, go. Sabonis, it's not just him lighting anybody up and scoring a boatload of points against anybody. It's how Sabonis uses his size, uses his ability to open up opportunities for others to where if Draymond Green is guarding DeMonte Sabonis, it's going to be on him. Now, I know Draymond's capable of this, but it's going to be on him to when the dribble handoff comes, Draymond has to be the guy fighting through Sabonis to contest that shot. Or because uh, the guard, whoever's chasing a Kevin Herter, for example, or if they do it with a wing with Keegan Murray, whoever's chasing Keegan Murray is not going to get enough space because Sabonis is just simply too big. So guarding Sabonis is not just straight up trying to keep Sabonis from scoring. It's trying to stop whoever Sabonis is working and running his actions with, uh, which gotcha. is something really important too that I know Draymond is capable of, but it adds another layer uh, that makes things a little more difficult. In terms of your other question, uh, to me, like... This has this series has to go six or seven games. I think it's just like basketball gods do us a solid here. Like these, yeah. what I want from this game, oh, this series, Cyrus. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. What I want from this series is for us to walk away with a re legitimate Northern California rivalry. And it doesn't have to be bad blood. Doesn't have to be fans fighting each other or players hating each other. I want that. I want Giant Soldiers, man. So bring it. <laughs> there we go. I mean, <laughs> like the Sacramento Kings, their only rival has been the Los Angeles Lakers. And in reality, the Lakers are kind of looking up at the Kings, going. Okay, like you haven't done anything relevant in 16 years. So you, we care, we matter a lot more to you than you matter to us. So to me, if we get a, if we get a, um, if we get a rivalry out of this series, if it goes six or seven games, I think everybody wins. So much of this series for the Sacramento Kings is about finding out truth, truly finding out what they have and going into next offseason trying to build upon it where the Warriors already know what they have. So there's a crap ton of unknown with the Sacramento Kings. I mean, I I, I picked the Sacramento Kings to win in seven just because I believe in this team. I absolutely could see the Golden State Warriors winning this game in, or winning this series in six. I truly don't think it's going to end in four or five. Yeah, I, that's my prediction is Warriors and six, just because the, the road woes of the team during this regular season is not something I can dismiss until I see how they play in the postseason. I just don't think the Warriors, and this is where I do, res I do respect the Kings. Like If I didn't respect them, I'd say sweep or five games, but I don't think the Warriors are going to pull off two wins uh, at Golden 1. I think they can do one. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna put game one go into the Warriors and then that, that that'll set the tone for the whole series. But I do have some friends of mine who might be overly confident in the Warriors, saying Warriors in five, but that requires two wins in Sacramento. I do not see that happening. I'll also tell um all the fans of, of your show, you guys got screwed into that was a 2002. Uh, mm -hmm. you got screwed, man. We know uh, Tim Donaghy. He's I mean he literally took a world championship away from your city and your team. Uh, I would still be livid to this day about that. I remember watching that at the time thinking, wow, this is some sus officiating. 
And then we learned later that there was a good reason for that. So you got screwed over big time, man. I'm with you, and I'm sorry that you got screwed over a wrestling pro, pro wrestling style uh, by an official that was taking bribes and money from from mobsters and everyone else. So that well, sucks. Man. I'll, I'll tell you this: I'm I'm not expecting that to be the case at all. But there no. are Sacramento Kings fans going into this series with the fear of the championship whistle that the Golden State Warriors may or may not get. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but don't be no. surprised. I'm, I'm telling you, don't be surprised if you see on social media an outcry, a questioning of, of calls and certain things, certain things, especially more. And I'll say this too, Cyrus. I think the NBA officiating has been dreadful this year. Just Agreed. period. Like Agreed. it's been super, super bad. And there are going to be moments in this series, whether it's for the Kings or against the Kings, that a call is made that is a terrible call. Like for example, when the, the Golden State Warriors defeated the Sacramento Kings in Golden State the second time, Clay Thompson fouled uh, Keegan uh, or Kevin Herter twice on an attempt, uh, attempted game tying three. The last two minute report confirmed it. We don't know if, oh, if Herter would have hit the three free throws and it would have gone to overtime. That's not saying that's the reason why the Sacramento Kings lost, but Kings fans are very sensitive to that. And, the, and I think the NBA has to be really concerned, period, about their officiating now that it's on another stage here in the playoffs because it's been really, really bad this year. Yeah, I feel like this one thing the two fan bases can 100% agree on is that the officiating is atrocious. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have a fantastic play-by-play -play, uh, broadcaster, Mark Jones. He's coming on my show later this week. Um, you got a gem in him, so congratulations to that. Thanks for doing this, man. This was fun. Um, hope you have a fun series and a great series. And and like I said, I'd love to do this again with you sometime, Matt. Nice to finally uh, record with you. It's a blast, man. Uh, Kings fans are on cloud nine, and there's really not much that can happen in this series to knock them off of that. Uh, it's just been an incredible season, and, and uh, it's fitting in a lot of ways for not just to face the NorCal rivals for the first time or the NorCal regional rivals for the first time. It's fitting for the Kings to have the season that they have and face the defending champs in the first round is really a, a test, a barometer for them. So I think Warrior fans are going to be really surprised how ready this Kings team is but I also think that there's going to be some learning pains at times during this series where everybody in Sacramento goes oh damn so I can't <laughs> wait to see how they do I can't wait either man I'm excited all right man thank you so much thank you to everyone